moving your career further faster. That's the mission behind Cascading Leadership. Each week, we're bringing you stories of women, immigrants, members of the global majority who have risen to the ranks of senior leadership in the world of business. Get ready to gather the insights of some of the world's best business leaders and apply those to your career. If you're interested in sales and marketing effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, talent strategy, DEI, or HR tech, tune in. We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Previously on Cascading Leadership. Now, I'm going to ask a question, and I'm curious how you navigated this, because my mom actually went through this mindset component where she went through the same thing, where basically in her situation, it was my dad woke up after charging up tens of thousands of dollars and doing a cash advance on all of the credit cards and sending it off to his family in India. He woke up the next day. He woke up the next day. So... nobody's listening. So I'm just going to be like all out here. (laughs) He woke up the next day and sat up in bed and told my mom, I'm done with you. And he left and my mom. So when you talk about the breaking of the phone and throwing it and all of that, I'm right there in my mom's experience. And for there was a significant period of time where my mom was sitting there thinking I'm a failure because my marriage broke up. I don't know if you dealt with that thought in your head. But if you did, how did you get through that? Yeah, I think I was, this is something about me is I've given my all, like I said, in whatever I do, that's just how I am. And I had by then, and then there is no turning back for me. And I was at that point. So much as I was afraid for putting my mom and dad who were still in India through, how am I going to explain to the people my uncles and aunts, that was my bigger worry. I didn't see myself. I think it was just because it was such an extreme thing that I went through, in my opinion anyway, that I just felt justified even more so now than ever that there is, there, this is my path. And when I, with my parents, of course, there was a big one. My dad didn't speak with me for a week and then we got around it. But the thing that I decided it's just a moment of wise thinking, I guess I had is this, I'm not going to be known as that girl who got divorced. I'm going to be known as that girl who went through some sad parts in her life, but ultimately made a name for herself and made her parents proud. And the story my sisters, my cousins would hear is about, oh, look at her and see how she's built herself up. That's the just the beginning of my story, not the end of my story. And that when I talked to my parents about it this way, no, there was no questions. I, like the support I got, I, my parents, my sister came, stayed with me for a while, figured it all out. I had to do obviously part-time job and work full-time and work, uh, go to school full-time. It was chaos. But I was young and I had the energy and I could do it. But I think it was more a challenge for me than it was a, hey, I'm failing at the marriage. And I think I just moved on from that. Not It didn't take me that long, to be honest. And now the conclusion of this episode of Cascading Leadership. One of the key takeaways from you just talking through that is it, it ties back into some of the stuff that we talked about in the beginning of the show is that you are in charge of defining the path that you take. It's less about what happens to you and more about how you respond to what happens and move forward from it. So I think that's an important call out. Now we have this big turning point. And I have to imagine, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I have to imagine that incident 
gave you a lot of fuel to move forward. Now, how did you compartmentalize that and use that experience to really drive forward and not be seen as that girl who got divorced? I can sit here and say after that, it was I was just I wasn't right. There was uh, my sister came, stayed, and I those she made, stayed with me for two months, and that was like easy because she was there, and I just had to. I was on a mission. I found a job. I worked as a leasing agent for the apartments, and then I got figured out my school and doing all that. And then she had to leave, and I dropped her off at the airport. This is such a vivid memory. I was driving back. I was, my eyes were so filled with tears, I could barely see the road. So I had to pull over and I somehow managed to get home. And I remember sitting on the bathroom floor and I called my manager. I can't do this. And she knew everything. And I was like, I can't come. I'm not coming in. Maybe I should just go back to India. And I don't know God exists or doesn't exist, but people sometimes show up as your guidance, as your angels who tell you, say things to you. And she was the one who said to me, this is, this is the first day of the rest of your life. What do you want to cry about the past or you want to take this challenge on and move from here? Today you decide. And that really helped me, right? So the support system comes in different ways, shapes and forms. And I got up and went to, did my shift, leased some apartments, made some money, went to school and it kept happening. How do I, one thing I had promised myself is not going to take money from my parents. I got to support myself. So I worked whatever I jobs I could find and ups and downs. I remember eating that $1 Taco Bell burritos because that's all I could afford. But that's how I just kept going. And yes, every time I would start to lose that motivation, it was easy to go back home and let dad take care of you. I remembered that moment and I didn't want to fall back in that whole thing all over again. And when you open that door to your apartment and you go in and you go, you lock the door and no one can come inside that apartment until you give them permission to, that's, I didn't have that before. So that's the kind of stuff that just kept me going. It's really interesting the ebbs and flows of what you just described, because you had an original vision for the way forward. I'm not going to be known as the girl who got divorced. And then every time you hit this valley, you talked about community comes in different ways. And we talk about it all the time in our previous episodes, that if you don't have one baked in, you got to find your people. And sometimes those people aren't permanent. They come in and go, come in and leave when they're needed. That sort of additional spark is is pretty important. Yeah. So now you're living what is a typical immigrant experience. You yep. <laughs> are here with very little resources or support structure. You're scrapping and trying to work, working three jobs and going to school full time and sleeping. I don't know when you're riding the bus somewhere. <laughs> That's totally. A generation yep. zero immigrant story. Yep. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like we talked about it earlier in the episode, you put yourself through school, you get, you finished your master's and then you're on the cusp of launching your professional career. So how did you figure that out? So I in, got lucky in a way that I was in a school where there was a lot of professionals coming to get their master's degree. So I had a network, you could say, with not just students who have never worked before, but students who were already having jobs and were finishing their master's. 
And through that, I learned of internship programs. I was so clueless. I didn't even know that you could actually do that. And so I landed a internship at then very sign, now Symantec. And they told me that they were going to pay me for the internship, which was like, what? And it was way more than I had ever made. And it was the best thing that had ever happened to me. And that's where I would say back in 2007, my whole professional journey started is where I did that internship, learned so much about the real life, the professional, the corporate American life. And that's where it started. And I just kept going. What sort of lessons did you pick up from doing that internship? How did that internship prepare you for your next roles? Yeah, there's a funny story. How did it prepare me? And as a software engineer is one thing, but as a person who knows nothing about this culture, because I had very few friends, is they said, hey, we are going to have a chili cook-off because interns are here. And I thought, oh, wow, I thought Americans don't like chilies. They're going to eat. Okay, I thought chili. Now, being the timid person I used to be, I didn't even ask anyone. I just went to the grocery store and I bought all kinds of chili peppers. I bought serranos, jalapenos, you name it. I had them and I go there and I was like, okay, I got my chilies. Now what? And they're like, okay. And then I see all these people with like crock pots of beans and the chili. Now I know. And I stood there and that was also actually a very pivotal moment in my life because I could run away I could have hidden my bag of chili somewhere but I started laughing so hard at myself and then everyone noticed and everyone gathered around me and they all were like so kind and so sweet that they gave me a section on one of the grills to roast my chili peppers and then those who could eat chilies had their my chili with their chili and it just I could have asked, I could have not assumed that they were going to be like, where are you coming from? You don't even know this. And that I learned from that. So that's just one of the things, right? Where I learned that, hey, the you can ask and don't just assume and don't be thinking someone else is going to judge you. So that was a big learning. The other one really was that people come from all these different backgrounds and do well if they really put their mind to it and effort into it. And I met all the semantic, really very sign then was like a melting pot. It was a big company. So I learned from all these people. Everyone has a story. Everyone, you can't just assume people who do well were, they just had an easy path. It's not true. So I think for me, that confidence I got from seeing people around me in a professional, proper job and doing well, that really gave me a lot of confidence that I can do it. There's something that's really instructive about that story that you just told. And it's the, and it seems to be more prevalent in software engineering, I think. So I I was a tech recruiter. So I know this from the hiring manager side where I'll often ask hiring managers, what's the number one thing that you look for when you're hiring a junior engineer? And they'll say, I want them to have a curious mind and be able to ask questions, but not only ask questions, but try to figure out a solution on their own. So that lesson, that story about the chili pepper and what it taught you in terms of asking questions, not being afraid to do it. That's one of the key things that I look for when I'm actually hiring for people on my team is the ability to 
okay, here's my theory. Let me test it out and see what I can figure out on my own. And when I get stuck, you can walk yeah. through what you've already done and then ask more questions about how do you get around this particular yeah. problem? Yeah. And I th- that wiring probably had a pretty big impact in some of your later roles because right yeah. after the internship, you were at Ebates and then you were also at Adobe. Yeah. Uh, how did you land those roles? Because those are pretty big companies. VeriSign and Symantec are big too. So that was yeah. an internship. So <laughs> yep. you've, you, you're starting this pattern of working at these monster company. Yeah. It's an interesting story. So Ebates back when I started was very small. We were like 45 people and they were looking for a cheap out of college, out of college, a junior engineer. And I happened to one of the recruiters of the, the, the recruiting team, outside recruiting team they were working with. I saw back then, I don't even know what we used to use for applying for jobs, but I just bootstrap applied for jobs. Someone looked at my profile and reached out and I interviewed, got the job. It was something that I always had in my mind is that I want to work at small and big companies and then decide which one I like more. And so Ebates happened organically, but everything after that has been super intentional from me. So I literally did this funny story. I wanted to work at a big company. So I went on Crunchbase and I literally searched for a query of every company that has more than 5,000 employees is in California, whatever parameters I wanted. And it gave me a list, alphabetic list of companies. AT&T and Adobe were at the top of the list. And I applied at both of those. And I first interview was Adobe. I just got lucky and I got the job. Adobe literally happened to be starting with A and a big company that fit my query. And I got Adobe. And But after that, everything's been a network thing. I, so I might have to create like a how to ace your job search video and use <laughs> what you just described. If you want to ace your job search, put in your criteria on size of company, pull up an alphabetical list and just to start that applying right. at the first one and you'll nail it. You hope to. Na- and- <laughs> In fact, I have also done this is even if they don't have a job opening and you have something to offer, you can always find a email of a, of jobs at adobe.com or something. It doesn't hurt to just send a cover letter and send your resume and say, hey, I know you're not looking for this, but this is what I have to offer. And this is why I think you should talk to me. I have done that and I have been successful at Adobe, for example. So you, you got to be deliberate. I think you said that at the beginning. And yes, that's the key intentionality. It doesn't come knocking on your door. The second part of what you just mentioned, where you're proactively submitting a reason to somebody, not the hiring portal to an actual person. I think that has, that's one of the things that I advocate for pretty often. And actually I, I have a lot of people in my network who happen to be opening uh, open to work. And I advise them, unless you absolutely have to, don't apply through the system. Try to find and build a network within the yes. organization and yes. create a relationship with people that you think might be in hiring situations yeah. and present a reason through that relationship building yes. on how to move forward. Because nine times totally. out of 10, if you, suppl- if you apply through the portal, it's just a giant black um, hole. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so that's... Your advice on being intentional and networking and selling yourself as a candidate on why you would be a fit in into an organization. 
that's yeah. great advice. So now you have this experience of a growth startup and then a huge company. What did you realize working at both of those and how did that shape the yeah. rest of your career trajectory? Yeah, I realized I like neither. I like something in between, which is it is not there's three things I feel and I advise everyone to look for in a job. A is you should have an impact the kind of impact you want to have, right? So impact is diff- what you enjoy is could be very different f- for the same job. So what kind of impact do you want to have? And if you can have that impact, if it's the people that you are going to work with that are, there's a fit and you should feel good about working with them. They should be encouraging and learn and teach both sides. And the last thing is don't be the smartest person in the room all the time. Otherwise, how will you grow? So there should always be room to grow. That's ultimately, I feel like it wasn't about big or small companies. I think it was about those three things that I wanted and financial stability, deciding on once I had a kid and all that matters. Now for me, that's, I don't want to be laid off if I can help it and have a stability given to my son. So I think it changes also depending on where you are in your life. But for me, I think that those were the kinds of elements I started looking for. And that's when network helps because yeah. a job posting doesn't tell you. That is something a person who has the information, preferably working there, can tell you. So networking helps with that. I'm a big proponent of that. And actually, as you go through any job search, you should have a short-term and long-term focus on it. And certainly building out a list of your dream companies and starting to proactively build your network there while you're in the middle of a job search is something that I'm a huge advocate for. But you said something in your list of three things that that really stood out. And that's, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. And I would add, that you should probably opt for the opportunity that basically terrifies you in terms of the caliber of people who are interviewing you. 100%. Why is it a good idea for you to join the organization where the interview panel terrifies you in terms of their credentials or capability? Yeah. I think it's because a challenge is something that really most minds enjoy, right? It's something that you shouldn't know everything as like the back of your hand, because then where's, there's no challenge in that. And if you are ambitious and you want to grow, then this is the only way to do it. Otherwise you're going to just be stagnated. So that's the reasons. And then I think learning is just something that I really enjoy. And it's to show improvement. If you are, how will you grow? If you're at the top of that, wherever you're going to be, you want promotions, you want whatever it is that you want. Only if you challenge yourself and you show improvement and growth, you get to that next level. But if there isn't a next level in the company that you're at, then I don't know, to me personally, that's not not very, for my mind, like it's not intellectual stimulation. I need it. The one thing that I would add to that is that growth doesn't necessarily mean vertically. It could mean it, it mean going across too, because there, sure. there, there are gaps in your skill set that you might be able to shore up or improve yeah. by moving across an organization that will position you for a vertical move later on. So you have to look at that entire list of options. Having gone through all of that, you used Adobe as a springboard to another opportunity. And then we see this progression 
how did you navigate the progression? Like, how did you intentionally figure out, okay, this is the type of role that I want in this next opportunity? And the story there is I was an IC individual contributor doing my job, became a senior engineer, and the team grew at Adobe all of a sudden. And then my manager needed some help doing some one-on-ones and allocating resources. And I started doing that and was really good at it. And I have this, people call this my superpower. I believe it is like I'm able to connect with people at a level that a little bit of a deeper level people like to share with me. And I, I genuinely care. And with that, it just became something that my manager observed that I'm just good at this. And he asked me if that was something that I wanted to pursue a management role. And that's something I'd never thought about. Adobe being one of those companies where tenure matters, there are lifers out there and you don't just become a manager. And that kind of pushed me into getting out. I was there four years, the longest I've ever been at any company. And it pushed me to look outside. And I'm glad I did because I feel I am one of those people who likes fast paced. We haven't figured anything out yet, like getting order from chaos kind of places. And But although I was wise enough to know that no one's just going to make me a manager just like that without having that background. So I'll take what I get. You also have to have an open mind about knowing your own strengths and experience. And I interviewed uh, quite a few places and there were people who were looking for seasoned managers, but then there was also people who were looking for tech lead managers, as you call them, the early, uh, earlier on in the management ladder. That's where climate happened. And they took me on as a very junior engineer and I grew there, junior manager and not that was the title, but that's what I had like a small team and I started there and I'm just good at people, everything to do with people. And I have honed in on that, right? Yeah. Some one advice someone gave me, I love it is don't always be trying to perfect your weaknesses and just spend all your time on things that exhaust you, find things that energize you and be the best at it. That's what I started doing. That is phenomenal advice. And it actually lines up fairly well with kind of my worldview. It's you're going to get a certain level of utility from improving your gaps. Everybody gets that. Right. But would you rather be spending your time, just like you said, on the things where you can drive the most impact, but there isn't yeah. like that much of a, a room for improvement? Or are you going to like work on things that are just going to drive you insane and you'll have some more growth? It's an interesting question. And I would rather, I've always been an advocate for stick with what you're good at. And they talk about it even in like baseball. When people are in the batter's box, you have a hitting zone and you stay in your hitting zone, your best opportunity to have success. You stay there and that's how you get to the Hall of Fame. All of this ties back into one of the things that we talked about earlier in the show, which is you have to drive your own journey. And you mentioned it specifically. Nobody's just going to hand me a manager role because I'm awesome or I think I'm awesome. You got to go and get it. And That's, I think, a very important early career lesson too. The earlier that people, or at least I feel, the earlier that you recognize that no matter how good you are, unless you're like truly exceptional, it's highly unlikely that somebody's going to go out of their way to go to bat for you and say, you need to take that. Like it's on you to go ahead and drive that. So that's one of the things that stood out about your decision-making process as you're transitioning from Adobe to the Climate Corp. So- 
let's talk through your climb through the senior roles. Yeah. So management came naturally to me. I feel I was just generally good at it, but I did encounter, how do you manage a person who's way more senior than you? How do you handle conflict? How do you handle someone telling you, this is not what I want to do, but there is pressure from your senior management that this is what you got to deliver, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think I learned by observing others. I was able to create a management peer community around me that were people who would give, give me advice. It, getting a drink with someone, getting going for a walk with someone and just sharing your current challenges with them goes a long way. I think it's not something that you need a very formal training or workshop, but those things help. And I've been to many, but I think the most useful things that have helped me through these struggles have been people. And again, I think it all comes back to the network. It's no one person, right? My network, sometimes people ask me, who's your mentor? There's no one mentor. I met so many people. I try to learn from everyone, to be honest. And that's where I think I have learned from talking to people and you'd be surprised how many people are either going through it to themselves have gone through it. Some people give you really bad advice. So hopefully you can decipher that as well. But I think that's what overall has been my source of knowledge and learning. And there's difficulties as you grow, there's plenty that you're going to encounter. And I try to do the same now for my when I see someone struggling with something, someone saw me and they helped me and now I help others. I try anyway. So that's how I think it's the community, always the community. When you were looking at bringing in or at least building alliances with people that were quote unquote more senior than you and bringing them into the fold, what yeah. approach did you take? Obviously the personal relationship bit is extremely important, but how did you bring them alongside and make them an ally because that could be really sticky if yeah. you're perceived from their perspective as, oh, this is some junior person and now I have to take orders yeah. from them. So how did you navigate yeah. that? This is like one of my interview questions I ask all my new managers now is, it is the value I bring to the table as the manager. I do not bring, my value is not to code better than you or to know more about this technology or this domain. Let's agree to what I bring to the table and what you bring to the table. My job as a manager becomes to enable ever is stopping you from doing what you need to do. I hope you know more than me because that's what you're you're here to do when it comes to coding. And But you shouldn't have to go find resources on another team. That's what I will help you with. So it's a mutual expectation understanding, right? That you do this and I'll do that and mutual respect. And I build that rapport with people, right? No matter I today, I can literally, I feel I can manage anybody. It doesn't matter what field they're in. There's a difference between being a mentor and being a coach. So I take that role depending on mentor. You've got to be a domain expert. A coach, you just have to guide them to make, they still make the decisions, you just guide them. So in a lot of ways, when there's senior engineers, senior people that know more than me, I'm more of a coach to help them get to that right decision, to talk to the right people, to, to talk to the people in the right way. There's so much you can do as a manager. So I have had people who, when I come in and I was much younger, when I started and they'd look at me and go, wow, really, you're going to manage me. And then, but 
people are more often than not open to changing their perception if you approach it with this way is that i'm not here to compete with you on who can code faster but to help you and here is how so my first question always is without knowing anything that how, what are your pain points that you think i can help you with a manager can help you with and started with that and it always i've always had success with this approach that's a phenomenal approach because it it level sets the ex- expectations of the relationship and again i think a lot of people who come into first time management and typically they're coming into first time management from a practitioner role so they automatically default into this thought process that hey i have to have all the answers and yeah. your best leaders yeah. are the ones that are are the ones that say hey i don't have all the answers you're the subject matter expert in there so that's your space. Yep. My yep. role is to take away anything in front of you that gets in the way of you yes. getting what you want. Yep. That's how we work well together. Right. Uh, that's a core leadership principle. When you're looking at manager and team or leader and team, the yep. leader and manager's responsibility is to get things out of your way that keep you yep. from being successful. I got to tell you Preeti, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I think I probably could have gone for another 2 hours, but I know that you have your son at school and you have things to do besides talk to some guy in Milwaukee. <laughs> but I so appreciate all of the stuff that you've shared with us and there's 15 lessons in there. But I'm going to restrict you the three most important things that you want the audience to take away from this discussion. So, when you think about the most important things that you want people to walk away from, what are the two or three things that stand out the most based on your experience and your story i think the number one thing outside of the three that you mentioned before that i truly believe in it's take it easy it's don't go one life and i know my my i lost my mom at 59 years old like she thought she was going to get retired and she was going to start enjoying her retirement and all and no it wasn't meant to be and i learned when you have such a profound loss in your life you realize that every day counts and every day play hard and work hard and play hard and that's what i do my son and i have the best time of our lives when we're not i'm not working i stop working when i stop working and i go with be with him be the person who defines like i said your own stories your own do what you want to do and take it easy enjoy life also more seriously i also think that be confident and be genuine if you don't know something ask for help it's okay to ask for help and it's also okay by the way to to say that hey i thank someone that they taught you something today it's i think it's all comes down to being genuine and i think that's something that i if i ever get compliments i get them about being genuine and i think that's something I, i everyone should be doing all of those are phenomenal and again this has been a fantastic story so i appreciate you you sharing all of it i think i think it's going to be hugely impactful for any number of people just from the leadership lessons alone so thanks for joining us for those of you who have joined us for this episode of cascading leadership before we sign off i want to throw the ball back into preeti's court Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, I think best place to find me is on LinkedIn. And if you can't find her, you, the two of us are connected, so you can certainly ping yes. me on LinkedIn, and then I'll 
facilitate an intro. So thanks again, Preeti, for joining us. For those of you Thank who you. are listening, you can find us on all your major podcast platforms. You, we are on TikTok. We are primarily on LinkedIn. We have a YouTube channel. So subscribe, comment, share, do all the things that the kids are doing these days on their social media platforms. We appreciate the support. Looking forward to hearing your feedback on this particular episode. And with that being said, join us next time for another episode of Cascading Leadership. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cascading Leadership. We hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me at jim at cascadingleadership.com. Tune in next time for another great episode that will help you move your career further faster.